Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 13, Survivor Series 1987. The first Survivor Series? The inaugural Survivor Series? The first, yes. And it takes place when? Are you not going to give the tagline? Oh, wait. Oh, this is my tagline time? Yes. Okay, set me up again. No, 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 don't rewind. Just set it up again. It's funny. Okay. Welcome to episode 13, Survivor Series 1987. The biggest event since WrestleMania 1, 2, 3. Is that, those are good? That's much better. Okay, thank much you. Better. We're leaving that all in. <laughs> that's funny. That's what, they, that's what uh, somebody comes for. So Survivor Series was an event produced by the WWF on November 26th, 1987. Which is Turkey Day. Thanksgiving night. How long does it take for an egg to make a bird? I don't know the... Uh, I'm just trying to figure out the the, 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 egg, in, yeah. the incubation cycle for the gobbledygooker. It probably started right around this time. <laughs> okay. So Jesse Ventura fucked a chicken. At some point, yes. And we got gooked later. The event was held at the Richfield Coliseum in Richfield Township, Ohio, which wow. is a city about 30 minutes south of Cleveland. Why Ohio, though? Is that, was that a big wrestling town? I guess they had run shows there before, and they'll yeah. run some more shows afterwards. It's just funny, considering it's like the ne- it's you know a pay-per-view that still happens today. So it's just funny that it was like, oh, Ohio? All right. I mean, I'm cool with it. Uh, the attendance for the show was around 21,300 or so. So about one-third of the real uh, attendance yes. of uh, WrestleMania. A third of the real yeah. attendance, yes. So right around Thanksgiving night, 1987, a couple things. What day was this? Was it like a Monday or Tuesday? It wasn't like a Saturday. It was a Thursday. Was it Thursday? Is Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving always on a Thursday? Yeah, Thanksgiving. I don't fucking know. I thought it was always on the 26th, one of those kind of deals. Dude, I don't even smoke weed. I just don't give a fuck about Thanksgiving. <laughs> but uh, Steffi Graf, who's a famous tennis player, would win her first championship. And the actress Karen Gillian, who oh, some yeah. people would know from Doctor Who, some would know yeah. from Guardians of the Galaxy as Nebula. Uh, also, uh, Jumanji. Jumanji, she was in Two, that as well. or whatever, I guess. Uh, it's a, is it a sequel or a reboot? It's a re-sequel boot. Did you see it? I did, and I thought it was great. Did you like it? I did. I liked the original Jumanji as a kid. Uh, not t- too interested in the new one, but like... I'm, I mean, it completely survives on Kevin Hart and... Rock's yeah. charisma. Yeah. And, Jack, but like, Jack, and what's, Jack Black's actually probably the best part of the movie. Really? Uh, I like Kevin Hart uh, in theory. I've never seen any of his movies. I may have seen one of his stand-ups, and I'm like, you know what? I kind of like this guy, but not enough to, like, I'm not all in on him. The Rock, has he just makes movies that I'm so not interested in, and I feel like they're kind of all the same, and he has charisma, but I think he kind of left it in the wrestling ring, in the squared circle. Hot take. Uh, is it though? I mean, his yeah, movies his, his movies make money, but like, lukewarm. I don't know. I think mean, like you know, 
Karen Gillian, I like her. He's the biggest action star there is at this point. Yeah. I don't... I think that we deserve a better action star. I think we deserve, I don't know, a John Wick. A better... One of the, the... the best like mainstream action movies in a in a minute are the John Wick movies. They're what, okay. You don't like those movies? They're okay. I like. I don't love them. I like them a lot. I don't like them so much that I've seen them multiple times. But I am very excited about the. Third I wouldn't one. go rewatch the John Wick movies. Really? I would rewatch Jumanji. All right. I'll keep. I'll. I will n- noted. The big story actually about Starcade eighty seven, um, or Survivor series. Survivor series. But Starcade 87 is also involved in the story, and we'll, we'll cover Starcade 87 next week. Those two shows were running the same night, Thanksgiving night, 1987. Are you going to give me a uh, attendance or pay-per-view, uh, you know? Not right now. Side by side? You're going to save no. it for later? Save it for oh, later. tease me like that. Uh, but Vince McMahon actually threatened cable companies who aired Starcade instead of the Survivor Series, because back then... They literally could only run one, one pay-per-view pay-per-view. at a time. Yeah, they would not be allowed to broadcast WrestleMania four. Ooh! So most cable providers gave in to the threats, and a, and only a handful aired Starcade, and we would see the war of competing pay-per-views started because we'll have some others that it's end uh, up being on the same day. It's a Turkey Day War. It's a Turkey Day War. It's a. Uh, who will be the survivor? I had another joke and I lost it. Probably wasn't good. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> so the show opens. Howard Finkel welcomes us to the Survivor Series and introduces Jesse the Body Ventura and there, Gorilla Monsoon. There is a child with an amazing, like, old school Fila t shirt on. An old school Fila? Fila, you know, okay, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Jesse has a pilgrim hat on. Why would he not? It's, might as well be festive. It's funny. And uh, the ring, uh, the announce table is actually located where the current Raw announce table is located, kind of behind the crowd next yeah. to the entrance area. Also, uh, Jesse is already throwing shade at Ohio, and it's tight. Why not? I mean, the only I haven't thing been to Ohio. Ever come out of Ohio, LeBron James. Oh, well, probably, maybe. Possibly. As, as far as I know, like you can't. As much as you hate the man, you can't say he can't. He's incapable of what he does. Exactly. So then we get a video package that begins to play highlights of some of the competitors for the evening, and then the title comes onto the screen, Survivor Series. I like the Survivor Series logo because it kind of has a Hulk Hogan or a Coke Hogan, as I've just recently affectionately called them. But their logo is very, like, looks like rocks. It's like... You know, yeah. it's like, it looks like it's like like a Flintstones, the thing via Fantastic Four, or like the Incredible Hulk type logo of this time period. So Gorilla tells us there's going to be four big matchups. That's four matches on a just under three hour pay per view. Yes, and they're all elimination style matches. And then Gorilla and Jesse kind of preview some of the matches, and then they go back to the back with Craig DeGeorge. Did, new, did we new go over the rules? rules? We'll get to the rules. Okay, I'm sorry. Or do I get to the rules? I don't know. Actually, if you don't, I, mean, I got them. Go. Go shoot the rule. Pin. Submission. Count out. 
DQ or ref call. So it's basically a regular it's ass match. Regular match. <laughs> it's just there's a whole lot of motherfuckers in there and they have to tag. Exactly. So we head to the back. Greg DeGeorge, who's a new backstage guy for us, is in the back with Team Honky Tonk. And Honky Tonk Man says, we're the greatest team assembled. I thought that was the Avengers. I mean, he uh, Honky Tonk Man doesn't strike me as the kind of man that read comic books. But then we see video highlights of Honky Tonk beating up on Macho Man. This is a problem throughout the night in these backstage segments. But like everybody's chattering in the background. I kind of I kind of like that because they're like, well, what are we gonna do? Like we're not they're not all gonna team up tomorrow. So like they just you know like they are hyped up is the whole idea. It's like everybody just you know talk shit like you're hyped up for the match. Yeah, like everyone's chattering, but no one's really saying anything. No, it's the same promo for the whole evening. Yeah, pretty much. And then we get Mean Gene with Team Macho Man, and Steamboat does some kung fu noises and says. We are survivors. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, was, I, he like, probably does that. He, he it's weird did. because the way that they, like, the way that this is set up is, like, they'll do an intro and then, like, a um, promo, like, yeah. clip and then, like, a promo clip and then, like, an intro. So my notes are very backwards because I'm like, ah, like, in order, it doesn't, it's like, oh, like, I got it. I'm, I'm doing them by hand. And then not we a see, digital man. And then we see a video highlight of Harley Race hitting Jim, uh, Jim Duggan with the 2x4. So we come to our first match, Team Honky Tonk, which consists of Honky Tonk Man. See you in 30 minutes. Harley Race, Hercules, Outlaw Ron Bass, Dangerous Danny Davis, with Bobby Heenan and Colonel Jimmy Hart in their corner. The return of Old DD, Double D, Danny Davis. Is it Triple D? Dangerous. Oh, dangerous. They added a name to him. Yeah. Uh, why is he, like, you say Colonel? Colonel Jimmy Hart. Why is he Colonel? Uh, it's uh, the playoff of uh, Elvis and Colonel, uh, his manager guy was Colonel, I can't think of what his name is. Uh, I don't know shit about Elvis. But th- that was the playoff of I don't want to sound uh, like unwarranted. I like rock music. Uh, Roy Orbison is my favorite singer of all time. Don't know shit about Elvis. You should you should listen to some Elvis. I should. I will. He's pretty good. Make me a playlist. Okay. Right next to that YouTube one. Yeah. Uh, and then we got Team Macho Man, which is obviously Macho Man Randy Savage, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Brutus the. So you're telling me that not only did Brutus turn face, <laughs> but Macho turn face? Macho turn face at this point. When did Macho turn face? Basically, after he lost the match with. Steamboat. Steamboat. Which you should all which, watch twice. Could you wait a second? Because I will get the... I'm fucking let me, sorry. Let me finish the names. I'm sorry. I will get there. I believe you. Jake the Snake Roberts and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And Miss Elizabeth is in their corner. And so the story behind this match, and what you were wanting to know, that you tried to get out of me before it was time... Am I the heel? A little bit. <laughs> so Steamboat beat Randy Savage... At WrestleMania, but then Steamboat would lose the IC title to Honky Tonk, and Honky you know Tonk... a man that can meet him in the ring. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Honky Tonk Man began claiming he was the greatest intercontinental champion, and Macho Man had issues with that. Robertson and Steamboat were also still in the intercontinental title picture at this time, and Racing uh, Jimmy Duggan had been feuding because. 
Dugan didn't like that Race kept calling himself King. So I think I mentioned a couple episodes ago that like literally Hacksaw Jim Duggan could become basically the next Junkyard Dog. And basically he just they took became, over the exact yeah. same storyline yeah. that Junkyard Dog was like doing. Junkyard Dog is like, we're in the USA, like there's no kings. I was like, well, there kind of was for a second there at the beginning. And then like Hacksaw's like, uh... And like this, don't don't sing yeah don't sing the songs that uh, do not that are not English here. And there's actually an interesting story um, behind Steamboat losing the Intercontinental title. So after he beat Macho Man, we had a kid, right? Uh, yes, his wife was pregnant, and he went to Vince and was like, "Hey, can I have about six weeks off? So you know, spend you know maternity leave, that kind of thing." Basically, if Steamboat was not the man that we all strive to be. He would have done drugs and been, like, a world heavyweight champion. Yeah. But instead, he was like, yo, I got a kid. I'm going to go be a dad, and we can't fault him for that. So, he was, Steve Boat was scheduled to lose the Intercontinental title to get the belt off of him so he could go with yeah. his wife. But the person he was supposed to lose it to was Butch Reed. Oh, that's no good. Butch Reed didn't show up the night he was supposed to win the belt. Oh, shit. He fucked himself out of that, huh? And so Vince was like... Um, I need somebody I can rely on. Okay, sure. Honky Tonk Man. Go out there. Honky Tonk Man, reliable. Vince literally didn't see Honky Tonk Man as a guy he could like leave the belt on. Yeah. But Honky Tonk Man became the longest reigning Intercontinental title champion of all time. It's kind... It's... It's... It's crazy, but it's proof of why wrestling is better than everything else. Is because not only is it's just like so there's so many moving things, mm-hmm. and it's like the circumstance is important. It's like if you can perform better than anybody else, uh, but you show up fucked up and late, then it doesn't count for anything. If you can't perform very well, but you have a good gimmick that you sell, you can you can be you, you can be the longest like. It's it's why we're here, exactly. honestly. That's what it comes down to. So let's start this match off. And we got Brutus and Hercules in the ring. Brutus slaps on a sleeper, but Hercules makes it to his corner and tags tags out. And then Brutus has a hip toss party with Hercules, Davis, and Bass. The ref finally makes Davis get into the ring, and Brutus helps him by slingshotting Davis over the top rope. We see quick tags by Team Macho Man. And then Race hits a shoulder block, uh, shoulder breaker on Steamboat, and then Irish rips Ricky, but Ricky jumps up and Skins off the ropes. The cat. No, it's not. No, it's not, the skin not, the cat. not that part. Oh my god! I'm sorry. And Ricky jumps up and off the ropes with a karate chop to the head. Race then tosses Steamboat from the ring. Then Ricky skins the cat. I am the spoiler king. <laughs> comes back in. Harley then throws him out to the other side. The dragon skins the cat again. It's so crazy. Comes back in and tosses the king over the top rope to the floor. Raises back in and hits a belly-to-belly suplex on Steamboat. Duggan then clotheslines Race over the top rope, and Hacksaw goes out to the floor, and the two men begin to brawl. Both men get counted out and are eliminated, and both teams go out to separate them. Yeah, and like they have like a bit of a quote-unquote blood feud. So yeah, they've been having they make, a so it makes sense. I really like that. Like they got counted out, but it was because they were so intent on like killing each other and, and like fighting each other that it wasn't it it wasn't silly for them to be counted out. 
Bass and Roberts are now in the ring. Macho Man is in control of the match. When Savage goes to hit Team Honky Tonk on the apron, he then turns around and Bass lays him out with a clothesline. Bass then goes to pile drive Savage, but Macho Man reverses into a back body drop. We see a blind tag by Savage to Beefcake, who hits a high knee to Bass's head. Brutus covers for the pin and gets the three count before Hercules can make the save. So outlaw Ron Bass has been eliminated. Team Honky Tonk then puts an arm wrench on Brutus, and it feels like they have it on for forever. You mean uh, Brood Eye. <laughs> I love the, the, the Brood Eye. Beefcake then escapes with an atomic drop, and I absolutely loved Honky Tonk sell. Oh, no, he sells so fucking fun. It was fun. like his pants were on fire. Yeah, no, yeah, I have ants in his pants as a my 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 comment in my notes. Because he, yeah, he sells it like somebody put like itching powder on his fucking exactly. dog strap. Beefcake then fires up on Honky Tonk Man with lots of punches and elbows, goes to give a big clothesline, but is tripped by Davis on the outside, and Honky Tonk hits the shake, rattle, and roll for the three count. And Beefcake has been eliminated. Good night, Brood Eye. Savage then comes in and begins chasing Honky Tonk, but he runs into Hercules, who begins stomping away. Team Honky Tonk is working over Jake the Snake with lots of dirty maneuvers. But Roberts fires back with a couple of punches, a clothesline, and then a DDT for the three count on Danny Davis. We knew Danny Davis was going to last long. Also... I like that there's a, since there's a bunch of people in these Survivor Series matches, there's a ref on the inside, but there's also a ref on the outside. Yeah. And, like, a point in this match and probably later matches where, like, it makes, fucking makes sense. Makes sense, and it looks good, and it's believable, and it feels like they're protecting the sanctity of what they're selling you. Yeah. And I appreciate it. Hercules then hits the Pearl Harbor attack as soon as the pinfall was finished, and Robert starts getting worked over by Hercules and Honky Tonk. Macho Man and Steamboat keep drawing the ref's attention away by trying to get in the ring, which gives Team Honky Tonk the ability to do some double-team maneuvers. Hercules has the headlock on Roberts, and the ref raises the hand once, twice, but it stays up on the third try... Or at least that's what the ref says. Yeah. It looks like the hand like goes down to like support I mean, himself. I I still like watch current matches and guys are in holds and I'm like you should not be hitting the mat that quickly because it looks like you're tagging out and it's taking me out of the match even though I can't do what you're doing. Exactly. <laughs> but then we get a hot tag to the dragon. Chops for everyone, including a top rope chop. Scoop slam to Hercules. Steamboat tags in Savage, who comes off the top rope with the elbow for the three count, and Hercules has been eliminated. So Honky Tonk is all by himself, and we see Team Macho Man with quick tags. Macho Man hits a scoop slam and the top rope double axe handle, and then Savage gives an atomic drop that sends Honky Tonk Man over the top rope. So many atomic drops in this, like, period. Mm -hmm. Inverted. Regos, they're like all there. So many, so many atomic drops. Honky Tonk Man just keeps on walking and gets counted out. So our survivors of the match, Macho Man Randy Savage, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and Jake the Snake Roberts. Yeah. Which makes a lot of sense because 
they were the three faces in the IC title belt yeah. picture, and, and, all, it, and it gave Honky Tonk. Also, how could Honky Tonk be the longest IC guy if those are the three faces? Because all three of those guys have more fucking like Honky Tonk is good at what Honky Tonk does, but what Honky Tonk does in ring, like it, like as far as like the reason tech- he kept the belt so long is because he did exactly what he did here and just ran off. Well, yeah, but he also he probably wasn't fucking around with drugs or having kids or being macho man difficult to deal with backstage. Yeah, he was probably a pretty easy straight laced guy that could perform, but could he perform a technical match the way those guys can? And the answer is. No, not really. Not mad at him. Not trying to dig. Just saying. So we go to the back, and Team Andre is there with Craig DeGeorge. Heenan says, Andre tasted victory at WrestleMania 3 when he pinned Hogan. That fucking early three count that looks like a three count that's probably a three count. I told you guys to remember that. Yeah. But you know what they say. Hogan must pose for equal to the amount of time that he was in the ring. Exactly. Bell to bell. And then Andre says, I did it once, I'll do it again. And then he goes, I'm here for your soul, and I will be the survivor. That's pretty good. That's a good line. So we get our second match. It's our women's match. It's Team Sherry, which is Sensational Sherry, mm-hmm. which most people remember as the valet for like Ted DiBiase and Shawn yeah. Michaels at different times. But yeah, Ted's not, Ted actually, hasn't showed up yet. She was actually a wrestler. Yeah. And she was the women's champion at this time, too. And she's not that mad. No, she wasn't. Uh, we'll get to some Ted later. The Glamour Girls, which is Judy Martin and Leilani Kai. We've seen uh, Leilani Kai. We have. Don Marie, but not the ECW Don Marie that everyone's thinking right now. And much older lady. And then Donna Cristianello, which is an even older lady. Yeah, Donna Cristianello looks like, uh, like if I lived in like an Italian borough and I was dating like a 30 year old woman her grandmother no no like it'd be her mom but her mom had her when she was like 30 and then spent a decade teaching her how to spaghetti really well and Jimmy Hart is in their corner as he's the manager for the glamour girls and they're facing off against team Mula, which is fabulous Mula, velvet McIntyre rock and Robin and the jumping bomb angels of <sighs> Izuki Yamazaki and Norio Tatino. Okay. And I just said those names, and I hope I got it right, because guess who never said their names? They, yeah, they said one of their names once, the first name of one of them once, but I have it in there. So in they my said, notes... They said Izuki, yeah, one they time. literally said yeah. it... One time. One time. And the thing is, is like, I am pretty good at pronouncing uh, like Japanese names. I watch a lot of NJPW. I've fucking, uh, I've read manga, I get it, but they don't give them names, they give Azuki one, so in my notes, this sounds terrible, but I'm not this kind of guy, but I have, like, Jap 1 and Jap 2, because I didn't know what else to write, which is shitty, but I wanted to know their names. I was a little bit better, and I, like, I figured out, they said Azuki for one of them, Yeah. and I was like, okay, so that's Azuki, and they never said the other one, so I just started writing... OJBA. Okay, so is it other, oh, Japan, yeah. other, other Japanese, Japanese other Japanese bombing? So is uh, Izuki the one in the striped, or is she the one in the solid black? Izuki was the one. The in solid the, black with the little pink bow. In the stripes. Okay. Yes. And Noreno was the one in the all black. All right. Uh, either way, we're talking about them this much because they fucking matter. 
But first, Donna Cristianello is actually a professional wrestling Hall of Famer. So we talk shit on her, but she actually is a Hall of Famer. The best spaghetti recipe in <laughs> WrestleMania 3. And then Sensational Sherry is actually a member of the professional wrestling and WWE Hall of Fame. Well, yeah, I figured that because uh, I know the name. Now, Finkel starts announcing this match, and there are boos coming Wait, from the Wait, I crowd. think that I saw that the, 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 the Jumping Bomb Angels may have been, uh, like, maybe last year. Not that I saw. Really? I might look it up while we're talking, but... And, like, like we said, Finkel didn't even attempt the Bomb Angels' names. No, you said, they just say the Jumping Bomb Angels, and I think Gorilla says... Either, it's either yeah, it's Gorilla or Gorilla. It's Gorilla who yeah. says it's Zuki. He says it's Zuki, and it's like they're obviously like, I can't, my mouth doesn't move and like that's, this. That's, that was all we got. Rock and Robin has two wrestling brothers. Bring it on me, because they said Rock and Robin. I didn't even get the last name. Sam Houston. Ah, uh, that's my boy. And Jake Roberts. I was going to say, like, yeah, if she's Sam Houston's brother, she's Jake Roberts' brother. And then also, when they, when they Sam announced... Houston, uh, at one point, or m- maybe still, but probably not. Uh, married to Baby, Baby Doll. Doll. Yeah. Yep. We've talked about that, but you know. A few times. As they're announcing Mula, they actually announce her weight, and then Gorilla and Jesse like start talking about her weight, and I'm just like, wow, like we're talking about a woman's weight. I think that it's fine to talk about a, a woman's weight. Like it's when it comes to sport, then I think that it's totally fine. It's different if you're like ribbing or making fun of them for it. But like, you know, if a girl that weighs 115 pounds is wrestling a girl that weighs 150 pounds, I feel like it's okay to note in a match. But as far as a sport goes, not, you know, being like, yeah, not to rib them for the way they look or them being like heavier. Because I, I like, you know... Keep it, keep it equal. Just don't be shitty. So Sherry sneak attacks Velvet to start the match, and Velvet hits a running crossbody on Sherry. I have a few themes of this match, and crossbodies is one of them. Yeah. Sherry then tags in Christianello, and Mula helps her into the ring by grabbing the hair, which is another theme of this match. Yeah. Well, they like, in, like it was literally like these women had like four moves, and they just kept doing them. But there's over, some really good moves. Over. And over again. We'll get to those. Velvet then hits a drop kick, scoop slam, and then a step up straddle into a hurricanrana pin. Dude, like she for the three count. She crawls up on some necks a few times. Like yes. it's not like a step up like in Zaguri where it's like a kick. She like seriously like crawls to put the to put herself in, you know, for wrestling Twitter fans, a one wing angel situation, but then she turns it into a hurricanrana. And it's Looks great. It looked great. Vela McIntyre. Goddamn. Yes. And this eliminates Donna Christianello. Kai jumps in and then attacks Velvet. And then we see a crossbody by Robin on Kai. Robin hits a clothesline and then a running crossbody on Don Marie. Like I said, I told you crossbodies were a thing. Yeah. And then makes the cover for the three count. One, and Don two. Marie is eliminated. I had a hard time picking out uh, Judy and Leilani because, like, Leilani has dyed her hair all crazy, and they have, like, the same suit on, and they have both have, like, weird blonde dyed hair that's curly. It was tough, but, I mean, I just usually followed what Gorilla was saying. Yeah. And he, he made sure to say their names plenty. Yeah. Then He's a, like, I know who, they, I knew who these people are. Uh, Itzuki comes in and... 
I, I hope that I don't have the two jumping bomb angels mixed up. Okay, because... it, it, is Izuki the one that uh, wore all black? No, I think she's the one that said, wore the, the stripes. Okay, the one that wore stripes is like taller and uh, and like thinner, and then one in all black. Was was a, bit yeah, she was shorter. Curvier. She was shorter, and like she was uh, definitely thicker. Like I did, would not want to be kicked by her. But she gets in the ring and she bridges out of a pin attempt. And, and it looks hits, fucking awesome. And then hits a sunset flip and then a flying body scissors pin attempt. Literally some of these moves are 15 years before their time. They so are. We then hit, get a high knee and a crossbody by Izuki. And then Tatiano does a top rope arm drag on Kai. Which, that was super cool. Tatiano hits a double underhook suplex on Sherry, which there ends up being quite a few of these double underhook suplexes yeah. as well. I mean, there's like I feel like at this point, like, like I was like later on, I even, was like yeah. when this movie first happened, I was like, huh. oh wow, that's super cool. And then yeah. there was like two or three more, and I was like, yeah. Oh. Well, even in like the I feel like it's in the men's matches, or maybe like I feel like I see a lot of the same suplexes yeah. throughout the evening. Robin then hits a monkey flip on Kai. And then Sherry hits a scoop slam and a vertical suplex for the three count. And Robin is eliminated. Izuki then hits two drop kicks on Sherry. And Martin throws Izuki halfway across the ring by her hair. Jesse throws in a line, maybe they should shave their hair so that wouldn't happen. But that's, I, 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 have, I have that as well. It makes zero sense because there's like, King Kong Bundy's like the only one without hair that's like everyone else, you can grab their hair. Like Rowdy Roddy Piper, you can grab his hair. Rick Martell, you can grab his hair. They all have long enough hair where you can totally grab it, and they do it all the time. Back men, off, men, Jesse. But that's the thing: men just don't grab each other's hair. I think that they, it ha- women's matches they do it all the time. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe that's why these women's matches look a little bit meaner sometimes. Sometimes. We then get a spinning flying crossbody by Velvet on Martin. And then Velvet slingshots Kai across the ring. There's a lot of slingshots. Like I said. Throughout know, the whole show. They know like five moves. Moolah gets tagged in and someone finally gets a crowd reaction in this match. Yeah, which is bullshit. I know. With all the cool stuff that Velvet and the Jumping Bomb Angels oh, dude, are doing. Yeah, Vel- Velvet and Jumping Bomb Angels. Uh, I, I like, popped. I yeah, popped I for Izuki uh, Yeah, I, I'm going to break kayfabe at the moment, but... Watch this fucking match. I know. It's fucking cool. It's great. It's a totally worthy 20 minutes of your time. Martin then tosses Azuki into the wrong corner, allowing the tag, and then Martin helps Mula into the ring by grabbing her by the hair. Again, this happens many, many times in this match. Mula then hits a forearm, a scoop slam, a snapmare, and a headlock takeover. Martin sends Mula into the ropes, grabs Kai's arm on the apron, and the Glamour Girls hit Mula with a double clothesline. Martin then covers for the three count, and Mula is eliminated. Which is pretty surprising, and I appreciated it. Velvet has Martin in a Boston Crab, and then goes to put her in a surfboard, but it was too close to the ropes and had it's to pronounced, break the hold. It's uh, surfboard. Sherry with the big leg drop, and then a side suplex on Velvet. Kai then hits a double underhook suplex on Tatiano, and goes for the pin. But Tatiano bridges up onto her head. But all of a sudden the bell rings. This is our second second bridge of the night. Yeah. It's like bridge the 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 weird like we've all seen it before. 
but the like pin bridge slide out thing i don't know yeah. how to describe it but it's always cool the ref waves off the bell ring because no one knows why because no one is eliminated at this point and then we get a gel, uh, velvet giant swings sherry and then velvet is irish whipped in the corner where she jumps onto the second rope and then her karana pins sherry for the three count. Is that you mean the like she does the the giant swing? It's like the airplane. Is it called an airplane swing? What is it? Yeah, the airplane like, swing. Yeah, like we say Cesaro, giant swing, but Cesaro like does. I was not ready for it, and I loved it in this match. But she grabs her by the legs, and she doesn't, you know, go full like fifteen no, times. No, she goes like twice. Yeah, it's like it's like probably two and a half, three. But then she throws her, and you know, she fucking throws her. <laughs> she yeah. wasn't ready. It was not a back, a flat back bump. Tatiano then hits the sunset flip on Martin. And Izuki hits a double underhook suplex on Martin. Then a sunset flip by Velvet on Kai. And then attempts the Hurricanrana again. But Kai holds on, drops her into the ropes for a slingshot back suplex. Uh, this match has some fucking weird spots. Was that the other spot where uh, Velvet crawled up on her neck? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's, this, this match is worth your time. Kai then makes the pin, and Velvet is eliminated. Which I say, because fucking A, Velvet McIntyre. But we got oh, the jumping bomb. Wait, are we calling, have you been calling her McIntyre? No, I've just been calling her Velvet. Okay. Because I wrote Velvet Sky, but I was like, I'm pretty sure that's like an impact girl. Yeah, it's an impact girl. Yeah. Or a ring of honor girl now. So we have the Jumping Bomb Angels versus the Glamour Girls, and that's all that's left in this match. And it rules, and I'm ready for that tag match. So Jumping Bomb Angels hits lots of stereo and double-team maneuvers. We get Kai going up to the top rope for a scoop after a scoop slam, but misses the splash on Izuki. Tatiano hits a flying crossbody off the top rope and pins Kai, and Kai is eliminated. Tatiano then hits a scoop slam and then a top rope knee drop by Izuki on Martin... And then a double back body drop by the Jumping Bomb Angels. Jimmy Hart jumps up on the apron, apron and Tatiano drop kicks him off. Fucking yes. Izuki with a top rope clothesline on Martin to get the pin and the win. Our Jumping Bomb Angels are the survivors. One spot that we didn't talk about was there's... It's probably the only spot that I was like, eh. I mean, it was fun because it was weird. But uh, I really, really like this match a lot. Not just because of the Bomb Angels. I think there were, uh, was some really good performances in here. But, not Izuki, but we don't know her name. They didn't even say it. So, me not knowing it is fine. But the... Let me say it again for yeah, you. I, mean, I can read it. It's whatever. Zuki Yamazaki. No, the other one. She was the one no, in Stripes. No, Norio... No, that Izuki was the one in the Stripes. No, I'm talking about the one that wasn't in Stripes. Oh. Uh, Norio Tatiano. Tatiano... Uh, which does not sound very Japanese, but uh, she has a weird like ground like leg spot on somebody where she kind of basically is on the ground and does like a like humping thing. It's you don't remember this? It's very bizarre oh, right and like know. it's. I think it's the only like spot in the match where I'm like, uh, wait, huh? it's definitely the only like, and it's not bad as much as it's pretty weird. I was just surprised that we didn't talk about it because like, I thought it was earlier on, but I was like, oh, maybe it's at the end. I'm sure that there's probably a gif of, of it online because it's <laughs> pretty bizarre. But she's basically, like, it's like a face-to-face, like, leg lock thing, and then she just kind of, like, 
thrusts like pelvic thrusts herself up to like mo- like multiple times in succession yeah. to I guess crank the other girls back is mm. very bizarre. I just probably missed it while I was writing notes about all the other cool shit that they did. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, there's like so much cool shit in this match and I can't yeah, this is the best women's match we've had so far. Yes. And like holy shit, Velvet McIntyre, you're great. Holy shit. Jumping Bomb Angels. Jumping Bomb Angels. I'm sure in Japan you have another name and are goddamn stars, but here you are the Jumping Bomb Angels, and uh, if I can find your Japanese matches on the internet, I will be there. Then we head to the back. Greg DeGeorge is back there with Team Heart Foundation, and Heenan says, this is going to be a piece of cake. And then we head back out to the ring. Nikolai Volkov is there, and he's ready to sing the Soviet National Anthem. Which, in my opinion, didn't seem to get as much heat as it once did. Yeah. You mean, like, it's one of those things. Like, how many times can somebody make an off-color joke before it's boring or annoying? It's true. I mean, they got, like, over a decade out of it. <laughs> yeah. For Christ's sake. And then, back in the back, Mean Gene is with Team Strike Force. I want to say it was Tito says, We have to have unity to victory. That's okay. Yeah, it's not right. Strike Forces is not a very good theme name. I, I didn't love it. It sounds like a like bad video game. Also, I think before this match, Jesse or maybe Gorilla for Jesse pushes the Running Man because Jesse is in yet another movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Any Ventura movie is a great movie. Have you seen Running Man? Right? Running Man is one of my favorites. Is it really? Yeah. That's exciting. Matt and I have very different. We love a lot of the same genres, but we have very different opinions about them a lot of the time. True. So, yeah, Running Man. Are you Running Man over Predator? Yes. Oh, that's crazy. But I respect the shit out of it. But then, I don't know if I've actually ever watched the original Predator either. Oh, okay. So, on to our third match. Team Heart Foundation, which is the Heart Foundation, obviously, with Jim Neidhart and Bret Hart. The Bolsheviks with Nikolai Volkov and Boris Zukov. Demolition, which is Axe and Smash. The Dream Team, which is Dino Bravo and Greg Valentine. The Islanders of Haku and Tamu. Is it Tamu or Tama? Tamu. Tamu. And their managers, because all five teams have managers. Jimmy Hart, Slick. Slick Mr. With, uh, with a... He fixed his suit jacket. Yes. <laughs> Johnny Valiant and Bobby Heenan. And they're facing, so off, silly. they're facing off against Team Strike Force, which is Strike Force, of course, which is Rick Bartell and Tito Santana. The British Bulldogs of Davy Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid. Uh, with Matilda, but probably not. With Matilda. And I don't remember if Matilda comes out. Yeah, they brought her out. Okay. The Young Stallions of Paul Roma and Jim Powers. Stallions, very apt name. The Fabulous Rougeaus of Jacques and Raymond Rougeau. And the Killer Bees of B. Brian Blair and Jim Brunzel. Oh, and your notes even say with Matilda. Thank you. So the story behind this match was that the Strike Force was a relatively new tag team, only formed earlier that summer when Santana saved Martel from a beatdown by the Islanders. Strike Force would then go on to win the tag belts off the Heart Foundation a month prior to Survivor Series. So one of the extra rules for this match is when one man of the tag team is eliminated. They're both eliminated. Both They're, members of the team are this, eliminated. This is so many people. There are 25 men around, in the 
ring and around and the ring. Include, well, like, like the, the uh, like is as far as like you know, like the two corners, like it basically the whole ring is surrounded by yes. by men, and uh, it looks insane. It's hard to keep up with. I was literally like, this might as well have been a lumberjack match with as many people that were out there. Yeah, I would almost hate to be in the front row. Watching this match It'd be because harder to watch unless you were in one of the corners where there wasn't someone standing. Yeah, you, you couldn't. You, see, yeah, all you were seeing were people. Yeah, you were seeing standing like there. yeah, Brett or Jim in wearing their. This is a match where they're wearing their uh, like pink tights with the black stripe, yeah. which look amazing and disgusting at the same time, and I love them. Yes. Uh, obviously, Brett looks better in it than Jim, but yeah, it's like all you're seeing is ass because there's all dude on the. A lot of people in this room. It's, 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 it's a thing. Yeah. It's crazy. Volkov and Martel start us off. And running the ropes pretty much guarantees you can tag someone. Because there's someone everywhere you go. Yeah. But there is a bit of a theme we'll get to. Yeah. Zukov Irish whips Santana who then ducks the clothesline attempt and comes back with a crossbody for the three count. And the Bolsheviks are eliminated. Real quick. Real quick. I believe Jesse throws some shade on Matilda saying she's never been in shape. Fuck you, Jesse. <laughs> Axe jumps right in and starts beating on Santana. Jacques Rougeau with a flying back elbow and a drop kick. We get lots of quick tags by both teams. Axe Irish whips Jacques and then puts his head down so Rougeau flips over him, gives a couple right hands, and goes to Irish whip Axe to the corner. Axe is able to reverse it, but Jacques jumps to the second rope and comes off with a flying crossbody that Axe ducks and then covers for the pin. And the fabulous Rougeaus are eliminated. By the the Dom Daddies? By the Dom Daddies, yes. <laughs> Davy Boy then jumps in and gives a snap suplex to Axe. Tamu gets in the ring. He's the twin brother of Rikishi. Oh, holy shit. And that makes him the uncle of the Usos. Well, yeah, I get that, but I didn't realize that Rikishi had a twin brother. Also, how the fuck old is Rikishi if he is in Survivor Series? And how young is he to be looking this good in this match? You mean Tamu? Yeah. I mean, Tamu's probably in his 20s? But, like, I didn't realize Rikishi was in, like, was, like, fucking 45 in the Attitude Era. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. So, Neidhart then puts powers up Jim Powers up in a backbreaker position, and Haku comes down with a double axe handle from the top rope. Valentine hits a shoulder breaker and vertical suplex on Roma. Smash is given forearms to Dynamite Kid on the apron, and the ref is trying to pull him off. When Smash throws the ref down, the bell rings, the outside ref comes in, and it's been determined that Demolition has been eliminated by DQ. Bret Hart then comes in and pile drives Dynamite Kid immediately, and it looks which fucking was great. great. It's one of those like fallback, fallback jobs. Yeah, like uh, kind of like what Suzuki does now. I mean, obviously we're in New Japan stands, so it's like, what do I compare it to? Hart then charges in for a shoulder to the midsection, but Kid moves and Bret goes into the ring post. Tamu flying clothesline to Powers, then a scoop slam goes to the second rope for a backward springboard splash. But Powers moves at the last second. Martel firing up with the back body drop, a drop kick, and then putting Tamu in the Boston Crab. But they're so close to the corner, Tamu is able to tag Neidhart in. 
Santana's then Irish whipped by Neidhart, and Tito comes back with a flying forearm and goes for the cover, but Bret Hart breaks the attempt up. Neidhart then rolls on top of Tito and gets the pin, and Strike Force is eliminated. Was this elimination a little weird to you? Kind of, but uh, my notes also have the wrong initials because there's so much going on. <laughs> lots of people, lots of action. Valentine then tries to suplex Powers, but Jim reverses it into one of his own. But Gr- Hammer grabs wrist control to pull Powers to his corner. And the, like one of the things about these Survivor Series matches, like everybody is kind of like a quick tag as far as this giant tag match. They always tag the other guy they're in a tag team with in. Yeah. Almost every time, pretty much. And then, but they'll like the tags are are quick, so the double teams are quick, and they basically drag them to the corner so people can you know hit them from the outside or whatever. I feel like if there was a few less people, the hot tags would be hotter. But yes, we'll get definitely. we'll we'll get that later. But the action here is great. Valentine then hits a sledgehammer from the top rope on Roma, in a spot we're going to see many many times in the future from Bret Hart. Dynamite Kid Irish whips Hart into the corner, face first, and he just like falls like straight back onto the mat. Yeah. B. Brian Blair then hits a drop kick to Haku, and he slams his head into Dynamite Kid's head. Davy Boy Smith with the press slam on Bret Hart, and then a running power slam on Haku for the two count. Davy Boy then vertical suplexes, and the Dynamite Kid with the falling headbutt from the top rope on Haku. But Kid looks to have hurt himself as well. Haku then hits the Savet kick for the pin, and the British Bulldogs are eliminated. Hart then puts Powers in the Tree of Woe, and the heels just keep Powers in the corner and working him over. He's like in a Tree of Woe, but like in the opposite corner. Yeah. It's very bizarre. We then get a side suplex by Bravo, who tags in Valentine to put the figure four on, but Powers kicks Hammer off, and makes his way to tag in Roma, which Valentine never sees. So Roma is going to the top rope, and Valentine attempts to put the figure four on Powers again, and Roma comes off with a sunset flip of his own for the three count. And it fucking rules. It's, that looked, it's, it it's did fucking, look really cool. It's fucking awesome. And the Dream Team has now been eliminated. Then we have some back and forth, but the Young Stallions and Killer Bees keep making moves that are way too close to the corner, so Hart Foundation and Islanders are able to tag in and out at ease. There's so much action in this match, the ref's shirt has come untucked. I, I think you say off. I was like, I don't remember a shirtless ref. Uh, Brunzel then picks Hart up for a slam when Tamu drop kicks him for Hart to fall on top. But Brunzel uses the minimum to carry over and gets the pin. It's fucking good. Also... The fucking, the Haku and the Tamu, they're fucking prop kicks. These men are young and ripped and very, like, ring aware. Yes. Like, they can fucking go. They were, they were great. Uh, so the Heart Foundation's eliminated from the match. We get some weasel chants starting. I was as, surprised the Heart Foundation was out. As the Islanders worked over Brunzel, we get the old trapezoid hold. Oh, I hate Haku. it. Oh, I hate it. And then there's a tag, and somebody does that again. Yeah, he tags out and then Tommy puts <laughs> yeah. the trapezoid I fucking, on. That's like, honestly, I will suspend everything. But the trap, the trap is the one that I can't deal with. It's not a good move. I hate it. This isn't going to play into the match at all. 
But in the background, while this is all going on, Bobby Heenan grabs something out of his pocket, like he's about to hand a foreign object. But then Earl Hebner, who's the ref on the outside, yeah, like starts yelling at him. And so it looks like Earl Hebner may have like seen the foreign object, yeah. But it's like literally a spot that like. Unless you're no, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like I feel like the weasel chant is. I feel like maybe it was a thing. I don't know if it's this is real or not because they didn't shoot it at all for this. But maybe just the weasel chant alone. This is like me be, giving them more credit than probably anybody deserves. But the weasel chant alone, I feel like the potential of since it went on for so long and they meant it that Bobby Heenan just played it up. And Earl Hebner's so cool that he also played off of it and made it badass for the crowd. It's Which possible. I like to think that happened, but who knows? I like your, I I like like your think, way of thinking. I like to think that it's uh, some, some crazy improv. We then get a power slam by Roma on Haku, but Tamu breaks the pin attempt up. Brunzel with a backdrop on Tamu and then a slam on Haku. We get the double noggin knocker on the Islanders by Brunzel. Mayhem breaks loose when Tamu Irish whips Brunzel and Jim Sunset flips. Tamu ends up reaching forward to grab the ropes, but Blair has put his bee mask oh, on. that's so fucking cool. Who then Sunset flips Tamu for the three count, and the Islanders are eliminated. Best part here is then, as they're celebrating, you see that Brunzel, after he fell out of the ring... He put his bee mask on yeah, as so well. The whole idea is that like you don't know who so is the legal both man. Both of them were, and it's such a they're they're the face side, but they do such a heel thing, and and nobody cares because they're the faces, and it's awesome, and it blurs the lines in the way that the lines get blurred later, and the way that the lines are blurred today. Exactly, and it's awesome. So Killer Bees and the Young Stallions are the survivors of this match. Roma. Was in the ring longer than anybody else, or was it, it was either Roma or pa- I think it was Powers. It was Powers. Was Powers. Powers took, the one that was took, taking Powers the took a beating in this match, and he deserves to be recognized for that. I agree. We can move on. Well, I'll probably talk about it later. So we head off to Ventura and Gorilla. They're talking, and Ventura is wondering what Ted DiBiase does for his Thanksgiving. You know what Ted DiBiase does for his Thanksgiving. Humiliates other people. And he, he he does sitting the, back, plotting his next move. The real American hero thing. So we're off to a video package of Ted DiBiase building his character a little bit. And it's a master cut of what makes it's basically your intro to why Ted DiBiase is better than everyone else. Pretty much, and it fucking rolls. We can go through it. We should go through it. I mean, I just wrote down highlight video of of oh, Jimmy really? Austin and Virgil humiliating people. There's like a, a couple kids. Well, yeah, there's like um, it's like a spot of him like bringing a kid to out of the crowd and being like, you know, if you can dribble this ball, and it's like this cute little kid. He's like in like mm-hmm. kindergarten or some shit. He's like, if you can dribble this ball. 15 15 times, times. I'll give you like 500 bucks. And the kid's dribbling it really shitty. And he's like talking mad shit. He's like, oh, like, you know, you could really use that, you know, $500. Like, basically fucking calling him poor and disenfranchised. And then like kicks the ball out from underneath him. After 14. Yeah, after 14. And it's... (laughs) Ha ha! You don't get money. Yeah, and he's like eating like 
Thanksgiving, there's a, there's a spot where he uh, goes to a public pool and pays off the pool guy to yes. kick all the kids out, which is super silly and awesome. It's like, you should probably have your own pool, Ted. I guess he's on he tour. Probably should. He's out there, he's out, out there wrestling. There's a spot where, there's a really fucked up spot where it's uh, some, it basically looks like a, you know, 80s mom and she's on her hands and knees and he's telling her to like, bark convincingly and she's like rough Rough. it's 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 very very good and i highly suggest it and like all the spots where they're in the house where he's like eating the meal were supposedly shot in like vince's home back in the day because i think this is like early uh like bruce pritchard because yeah like bruce pritchard came in and one of the first things that he really did of note was the Ted DiBiase, and we haven't even seen a Ted DiBiase match yet. No, nope, not yet. But like these promos are, they're better than just about anything. They're just done so fucking well. Can it? Yeah, I'll stop. But you, you gotta see them. So then Ventura and Gorilla are reviewing the matches we've seen so far, and they preview our main event, and then it heads out to heads to the back with George uh, Craig to George, who brings out. Honky Tonk Man, Jimmy Hart, and actually they're not in the back, they're on the stage set up next to the announce table. And Honky Tonk Man says, I was the survivor. I was not defeated. And then he goes, line them up, I'll knock Knock them down. down. And then we go to the back, Bean Jeans with Team Hogan. And Hogan goes, all the animals are hungry. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just like all the other promos where everyone's just like, they're all very, very hype and excited, but they're interacting with themselves, and there's not any real promo. It's just like face heel, like just look like you want it. So we got our fourth match. First up, Team Andre, which is Andre the Giant, Ravishing Rick Rude, King Kong Bundy, The Natural Butch Reed, and One Man Gang. And they got Bobby Heenan and Slick in their corner. Versus Team Hogan, which is Hulk Hogan, Bam Bam Bigelow, Kim Patera, The Rock, Don Morocco, and Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff. Remember that last time we saw Don Morocco? He looks twice as big now. He's extra juiced. It's fucking crazy. Also, where was Paul at WrestleMania 3? Crazy, huh? That is crazy. Yeah. But Don Morocco, he went from, like, cut to, like... Jacked. Yeah, to, to, like, to like unhealthy jacked. Yes. And Oliver Humperdink is in the corner of Team Hogan as he's Bam Bam Bigelow's manager. Okay. I'd... So the story behind this match, a couple things here. Obviously, we have the continuation of the Hogan-Andre feud from yeah. WrestleMania 3. Orndorff had fired Heenan when he learned that the Brain had brought in Rude to replace him. And then we have superstar Billy Graham was in a feud with Butch Reed. Oh, Graham's still around? He was. And one man gang would come out and interfere, hitting Graham with a big splash on the concrete floor. That's upsetting because one man gang sucks. Don Morocco would come to the aid of Graham, and Graham would be forced to retire from the injuries from that splash, and Morocco would take his place on Hogan's team. IRL or uh, in real life, Gafabe. He had had hip surgeries, uh, and it was like. He came back and it so just like the didn't this work. this splash probably wasn't like it wasn't what actually put him out. No. It's just like sold. Okay, exactly. That's fine because if one, one man, man gang if, actually retired someone, if one man gang stopped me from fucking 
like doing anything in my life, I would probably murder him and kill myself. It'd be a, a double suicide homicide or whatever you call it. So the match starts. Morocco and Rude are in the ring. We get a clothesline, three elbow drops from Hogan, then a splash from Bam Bam on Rude. Bigelow hits the press slam on Rude, and then Orndorff throws Reed into the boot of Hogan. Hogan and Orndorff with the double clothesline, and then the leg drop by Hogan for the three count. And Butch Reed has been eliminated. I mean, which is, it's kind of funny because like Butch Reed beat Coco, and that, like Coco was brand new, and now Butch Reed is like immediately... I mean, at this point, he's basically a jobber because he pissed Vince off by not showing up for his uh, yeah. title match. That's funny. I, also, I didn't realize, like, I knew Bam Bam had uh, skull tats, mm-hmm. but him having skull tats in, like, 87 is crazy. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. Well, Hogan and his team are celebrating, and when he turns around, Andre is in the ring. But the ref forces Hogan out because he... Yeah, the, tagged oh, in. That was a very that was a really good spot because like when they were celebrating, he like uh, whose hands was it? He slapped like Kim Patera. Yeah, double yeah, hand he slap. Hi, Kim he high fives yeah. Kim Patera. Double high five. And the ref considers yeah. it a right. tag. So he pushes him out. It's a good. It's a good tease. It's a good spot because it. it keeps Andre and Hogan yeah. from being in the ring also, together. Hogan can't fucking. I mean, uh, Andre can't fucking move. So it's fine. And like so. And once Ken Patera enters the ring, Andre's like, "Well, I'm not wasting my time with you. This is I'm not done. why I'm here." And so he tags in One Man Gang, and Patera gets started being worked over by One Man Gang, who tosses him into the ropes, and both men go for a clothesline. One man gang ends up landing on top for the three count, and yeah. Ken Patera is eliminated. Which is a, it's a shame. We'll talk about one man gang, but only Hogan, hopefully for this show. Hogan and Bam Bam end up giving double boots to one man gang, and then Orndorff hits Rude with a vertical suplex, an elbow drop, back body drop, and goes to attempt the pile driver when Bundy comes in and hits Mr. Wonderful from behind. Rude then schoolboy rolls up Orndorff, grabbing the tights for the three count. And Mr. Wonderful has been eliminated. I'm glad that like, Rick Rude is kind of a punching bag in this match. And I'm glad that he got a pin because he definitely has uh, the best body on the whole show because he looks insane. Yeah. Bam Bam then hits a suplex. Hogan with a high knee on Rick Rude. And then Rude is tossed into the ropes and Morocco power slams the ravishing one. For the three count. And Rude is eliminated. Like I said, punching bag. Morocco then tries to power slam one man gang, but can't get him up. And one man gang falls on top of him for a two count. Gang tosses Morocco towards Andre, who gives a headbutt. And then one man gang hits the 747 splash to pin Morocco. And Don Morocco has been eliminated. Which is that's a pretty crazy spot. Bundy then clotheslines Bam Bam, who does a 360, and Hogan breaks up the pin attempt. We see Team Andre working over Bam Bam at this point. Bam Bam finally makes the tag, and it's Hogan versus Andre. They're chopping at each other. Hogan goes to clear house, knocking Bundy and one-man gang to the floor. Hogan starts to run the ropes when Bundy grabs his foot and drags him out of the ring. Hogan's brawling with one man gang and Bundy on the floor, body slamming both men onto the onto the floor. And the bell rings as Hogan is getting back into the ring. Hogan has been eliminated due to a count out. Hogan's back in there, he's arguing with the ref. He's yeah. like, 
no, it's not right. And they announce if Hogan doesn't leave the ring, his, his team, team will loses. automatically lose. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. So we get Bam Bam versus Andre, One Man Gang, and King Kong Bundy. What's crazy is Bam Bam's the mover. He is. <laughs> it's great. So Bam Bam with hits a clothesline, a couple headbutts, a drop kick that takes Bundy down. And then after an Irish whip into the corner, Bundy attempts the avalanche splash, but Bam Bam moves. Bam Bam then hits a, a slingshot splash onto Bundy for the three count. And King Kong Bundy has been eliminated. One Man Gang starts working over Bam Bam again and goes to the top rope for a 747 splash. But Bigelow moves and then drapes his arm over the gang for the three count. One Man Gang has been eliminated. So now we have Andre and Bam Bam. Andre hits some right hands, a headbutt. Bam Bam keeps rolling away to stay. Oh, he does like three distance. or four of them and they look great. Yeah. To keep his distance from Andre. They're basically like your. Uh... You play like any of the like 3D Zelda games where you like do like the tuck and roll, yeah. But it's like Bam Bam Bigelow, who's fucking what like 325, 65, 325. Yeah, like he's a he's a fucking huge. He looks tiny compared to yeah, compared to these guys. Yeah, it's crazy. Bigelow goes for a shoulder block, but Andre moves and Bam Bam goes into the turnbuckle, and then Andre gives shoulder uh, starts giving shoulder blocks to the small of the back of Bam Bam. And then hits a butterfly suplex for the three count. And Andre the Giant is the sole survivor. Post-match, Hogan runs down and hits Andre with the belt a couple of times before Andre could roll out of the ring. And then Hogan is left posing in the ring. It's fucking whack. Also, he like not only does he do the like run in and the and the you know, the belt hits, but then he's, like, whipping them from the inside of the ring to the outside, which is, like, some silly heel shit. Yes. It's like, yo, you can't be whipping people with it. So Mean Gene catches up with Andre and Bobby Heenan in the back as they're coming back with a small interview, and then goes to Gorilla and Ventura, who say their goodbyes, and we get a highlight package. Yeah. So what are your overall thoughts of Survivor Series 1987? I think that the... If the if this is a sandwich, and we have two pieces of bread, which are the first match and the last match, and we have a piece of meat and a piece of cheese, which are the two middle pieces of the show, then I would go on a low-carb diet, because the center of the show is very good. I agree. The... <laughs> The women's match is the fucking awesome best part of this show. I agree completely. And like crazy to think of. Yeah. I mean, there's some good performances by individuals in yeah. other matches, but overall those ma- like there is no psychology in most of the matches. I mean, there's some cool there's a few cool spots, but for most part, they're just kinda like it's like hot slam, hot tags. Slam, it's like, oh, like Hogan off. can't lose. I mean, I wouldn't even say there was any hot tags because... No, not really. There might have been like... No, not really. There wasn't. I think that what the, like, as far as the last match, I think the best thing the last match did was, like, attempt and uh, attempt to put over Bam Bam. I agree. The worst thing that they did was having Hogan come out and get his heat back. Yeah, which was... Fucking lame. Just let, let him leave. Andre, let Andre be the victor. Yeah. Let Andre. It's like Bam Bam doesn't lose anything if no. he does the performance he does and Andre wins. 
No, he doesn't. No. Absolutely not. Any other thought, overall thoughts, uh, just fucking, on the show itself? Oh, Velda McIntyre uh, was amazing. Jumping Bomb Angels were Definitely fucking best amazing. Moments, yeah. Like, Cherry was all right. Like, but for the most part, those two things were great. Uh, what was it I said in the, the tag match was too many guys, but I appreciated that when one of them got pinned, they both left. Yes. But there was a lot of really good spots. It really, like, I feel like it gave you a taste. It felt like a taster for, like, what a tag division can be, and I would love to see that tag division well, like, today. Like, literally, I was like, there are ten tag teams in this match. And they fucking all rule. And... I want to watch all of them. For most of them, I was like, they're all more cohesive and actual tag teams than yeah. 90% of the tag teams that are in WWE. I mean, there's a, there, there's a difference between like tag team wrestling and then putting two guys together to tag yeah, together. Exactly. And like all of these were uh, actual, tag, were actual teams. tag teams. And it was great. Uh, I think that Jim Powers was a goddamn workhorse. He was in the ring more than anybody else the whole night, and he took a fucking beating. Mm-hmm. And it was great. And it, like he could take the bump, but he could also give it back if they allowed him to give it back. No. I mean, the center of this show is is really good. And the last one is the worst one, because like, the, the face or the heel corner is just nothing but meat, and there's no workers. Yeah, I agree. There's like no workers. Other than Rude, and they don't let Rude really do anything. No, he just, yeah, he eats a pin and looks great. Uh, He did have really cool, like, stop sign pants on. They were like, they were like, stop sign, yield, like, uh, stop light. It was very goofy. Good. Where's the smart marks at? All right, fuck you. Well, I think it's time for us to smark it up. So, a few of the best moments I think we've mentioned obviously, Jumping Bomb Angels. I'm so excited. Bam Bam Bigelow, obviously, with yeah. his with his stuff. What about Velvet McIntyre? Does Velvet she, McIntyre does she come back at all? I have no clue. Because she had those weird high shoulder spots that were bizarre. I mean, as much as everyone probably hates Honky Tonk Man for running out. Honky Tonk. I, I felt like that played into his character perfectly. Honky Tonk is good for what he does. And, like, if you don't like what he does, that's fine. But also... You're you're watching wrestling, so like, what do you like about wrestling? I think oh. my biggest issue with this show is like, what is it attempting yeah, to the accomplish? Most, what's the most disappointing moments or thoughts? I mean, for me, it's the Hogan thing was whack. The first match yeah, was I like the, the first match was kind of whatever, but I forgave it after the center yeah. of the show, and it wasn't that it was bad. It was just like, what am I looking at? And I guess my most disappointing thing is when the show's all over, like, what does this amount to? I agree, and I think that the only thing that I know that it that I know that I was like, oh, well, they're setting this up for sure is the Glamour Girls and the Jumping Bomb Angels. Like they set that I mean, they set that match up I mean, perfectly. They set that up. Beautifully. I mean, it's basically they were like, oh, we're gonna have a pay per view, but we don't want to have a culmination of all of our of all our feuds. Well, so we made we'll it. Just, yeah, we'll just use these matches to help. Further the feud. So, they had less, so ta- less talent, Man, less Macho eyes. Man, they didn't. They didn't. Tonk yeah. are still in their feud. Andre yeah. and Hogan are still in their feud. I mean, it's the first you know. pay per view that's like not WrestleMania for the most part, and uh, they don't know how to do that. They have less talent. How do you build? There's like eyes on the stuff, but it's yeah. not the same. Agreed. Uh, but the show was after the first match. I was like, fuck. 
I watched the first match and I was like, okay. And I watched it and I was like, I'll watch the rest of it tomorrow. And then the center of the show, I was all in. I had a hard time keeping up with that tag match. But yeah, I was, was very, very entertained. I mean, one of the most disappointing, like literally as they were announcing the people for the main event, I was just like looking at the teams and I'm just like, so you have Hogan, who is the champion, so they're going to make yeah. him look good. Bam Bam, which I've always enjoyed. Yeah, he's, in anything fucking, of, he's a fucking Bam Bam. But then you have Ken Patera, Don Morocco, and Paul Orndorff. Paul Orndorff's who great. Who are three guys who literally... Probably a week before this show, were heels. Yeah, I mean, so it was almost so like looking at this. That means that, but if you turn and look at the first match of the night, you had the faces were Savage, Steamboat, Beefcake, Roberts, and Duggan. Yeah, all five of those guys are guys that I'm like, yeah, I like yeah. those guys. Yeah, why were they not in the Why were they not in like, the top match? Why is the mid card match have more names than the main event match? Yeah, and it's it, like, it literally was just like so. It was kind of disappointing in knowing that, like, obviously we also mentioned one man gang, King Kong Bundy, Andre the Giant, huge guys, no workers. Uh, my not so hot take: I don't ever want to see one man gang again in my life. We're gonna see him quite a few more times. The... Maybe not as one man gang. That that's place. a that's a bummer because he can't do anything except for. Have he has kind of a cool hillbilly mohawk where it's like a mohawk, but then it turns into a ponytail. Uh, sure doesn't look African. Fuck you, really? We'll, we'll get there. We'll come to find out. Uh, there is a thing from a pro- the earlier like face promo mm-hmm. where we were talking about how everyone's just like yammering on, but uh, Bam Bam gets on the microphone at one point and he says, "I'm going to burn the building to the ground." And it kind of rules, and then he kind of does. He definitely does. Like, he could have if they let him, but he did the best he could with, you know, I mean, I with a fixed the, sport. I think they did the perfect thing with him in that it was three to one odds. Yeah. And then they let him beat the two guys who he they could have him beat. Yeah. I mean, Andre needed to go over. Yeah. Because he's, I mean, also, he's like, also undefeated. So, well, no, not at this point. Well, you know, I mean, you know, you know I mean. in his mind, in, K- in the kayfabe of yeah. his character. How about best performer of the night? Uh, Jumping Bomb Angels, right? I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go for for say Jumping Bomb Angels, but I would also, if I could, add one. I would add Velvet. Velvet was great. As I well. loved. I loved Velvet. I was like, what the fuck? I I agree. I would also. I mean, that entire match is my most surprising moment. Oh, it's so good. It's, but, so, it's so very but good. But also that the fact that I never knew that Sensational Sherry wrestled. Oh, really? Yeah. And so the fact that like she looked as good as she did in the ring. No, she came in and she did her spots, but her spots were clean. Yeah. They weren't sloppy. So she would definitely be one of my more surprising moment or people of the night as well. I was surprised to see Bam Bam because I wasn't expecting uh, him. Uh, another like MVP moment for me is the uh, Jim Powers uh, bump city and uh, is it uh, and Roma like taking the pins and doing the work and he he did he was both those guys were so fucking good but all they did was make the other guy look better yeah but they were better than most of the people they were in the ring with. And they fucking did the job, you know, the same way that, like, you know, somebody like 
Bret Hart does the job. Like exactly. Bret Hart will fucking put you over. I felt like that they were doing that, but you know, to no end, because I'm pretty sure we're not going to see a lot of Jim Powers or uh, what is his, what was his name? It was Jim Powers and Roma and Paul Roma and Paul Roma, the yeah. Young Stallions. They were amazing in that match, and they spent the most amount of time in there. I mean, maybe once they meet death and go into the future. How do they die? Oh, that was Wild Stallions. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I got you. A, I was oh. trying to make a Bill and Ted joke. Bill and Ted Didn't is work. great. It's time now for a look back even farther into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. Interest had waned in professional wrestling, but James Tootsmont had ideas to help change that. A new style. A slam-bang western style. Since George Hackensmith and Frank Gotch, wrestling had a blend of Greco-Roman and Catch-as-Catch-Can. But Toots looked to bring in other influences such as carnival wrestling, crowd-pleasing theater, and the chaotic action unique to fights. James Mott would introduce new moves. These moves such as arm drags, slams, and suplexes. While less realistic than traditional grappling, were far more exciting to watch. The style was also influenced by boxing, utilizing striking. To say that Toots was a creative visionary is an understatement. He originated much of what wrestling is today. He led the transformation from sports that acted like a show to a show that acted like a sport. We need to get uh, some, some Toots tattoos then. Just Toots t-shirts. It's our next t-shirt. Yeah, it just says Toots in the uh, in the web. Uh, no, we we need, to, we need to get uh, matching uh, tramp stamps that just say arm drag. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Yeah, I'm not. I am not paying for a, a tramp stamp. No, but this next week, Starcade 1987. And I can't even make a joke because I haven't seen it yet. This doesn't happen very often. We do like two or three of these at a time. I'm breaking kayfabe. You're breaking kayfabe. Big time. I'm born to break kayfabe. You can cut it out. So if you like the music from this week's show, first opening song was the theme song from Survivor Series 1987. And the song you're hearing right about now is a song called Ave Satanus by John Christopher Payne. It was the theme song for Andre the Giant. Is it about Satan? It is about Satan. Is it really? Yes. I like. I uh, is was it from some play or something? I have no clue. Just the song that they play. Satanas, Ava Satanas. So if you like us, please go out to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, or just wherever you find your podcast at, and write and review us. Give us those five stars. Let us know how we're doing. You can also email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your questions, concerns, comments, just whatever you want to send to us. Or you can always reach us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling, H-I-S-T-O-X. Uh, Ava Satanas, uh, I'm pretty sure just means he'll say. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs>